Hello and welcome to the Marvel Cinema Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. Today, we're doing a little, tiny little review for the, the Bad Batch, the new Star Wars animated show that's been coming out. Um, mm-hmm. As of right now, we're only two episodes in. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got an hour and a half first episode and then in half an hour second episode. So, yeah. we're going to be talking about that. And then after that, probably just having a talk about Star Wars in general and kind of the it's never in a the best state i don't know why <laughs> i mean maybe its best state was probably you know the 1980s we don't we never really know um <laughs> but uh but yeah we'll be talking about that today before that i want to mention our uh, instagram account at marvelous summer podcast where we do our daily reviews and weekly podcasts um, oh, every other day reviews, as I say. We do every other day. Um, but and... say, say we might be cranking it up again. You never know. Yeah, maybe because stuff's been doing done yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you said. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we also got a Twitter account, at Cinema Marvel, so we do the same thing over there, but just on Twitter. Um, every other day reviews and um, weekly podcast on Monday. Um, mm. So yeah, do you want to get started with your general consensus on the first two episodes of The Bad Batch. I think it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it, I think. It's very much a continuation of the, of the Clone Wars. It, it is kind of Clone Wars Season 8. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, you know, a slightly small scale. Um, yeah. I really I really enjoyed it. One of the things I think they've nailed is having a group of characters that are very much different people. Yeah. And I think they've done a pretty, good, pretty great job of balancing that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, there's plenty, plenty of stuff being set up, plenty, plenty of connections. You know, it's all connected. It's a universe, <laughs> a cinematic universe. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's been yet more good stuff from Lucasfilm Animation, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your general thoughts? Um, I'm, I quite like it. Um, I, I don't know why, but I find it kind of. It's weird to say, but I find it kind of like deriv- derivative of other things okay, a bit too yeah, much. Yeah. Like I don't know why, but maybe because I've just you know the Last of Us Part Two and uh, the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you know having a, like a little you know a young person companion that you're getting across to some to some sort of place. I think I was kind of watching it thinking, does Dave only just really like um, you know? <laughs> Um, protect missions video games where you just protect a person and you're just <laughs> doing that for like every single series. Mm-hmm. Um, you must be the only person <laughs> in the world that enjoys those missions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the whole, I, I do really, I do really like it. Um, I'm finding, like you said before, the the group kind of dynamic of the Bad Batch really interesting. Um, I think I often get quite on edge about... Um, meeting a big group of similar characters <laughs> um, mm. in anything because like they all wear they don't wear the same outfit but they wear the same you know the color coded black and red outfits um and they're all kind of clones essentially <clears throat> um i always kind of get scared of that whenever it comes to star wars and the, the clones and how i have to keep track of them <laughs> um but this time i have to like it almost immediately i knew which one was which and which personality was this personality and why they were, you know, always in conflict, it would seem. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I kind of find it more focused than The Mandalorian. I think it, like in terms of like season one, at least. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of feels like we're actually going to be doing things with this team and with this new companion and not, um, you know, random adventures in different places. Um, mm. It seems like was... more, more agency with it, like more... Yeah. Yeah, more focused. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's going somewhere sooner. If that makes sense. Mm. Well, <laughs> when you had the first season of Mandalorian, it was very much he's got the child, and now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna it, it's gonna do stuff until yeah, bad guys turn up. <laughs> the first season of Mandalorian always reminded me of like kind of a kind of a concept um, mm. show where they had a good concept and then kind of went. So will this work? And then they kind of just put the character in different situations and thought, okay, I think we can finally do this. And then they did stuff with it in the last episode. Mm-hmm. And then, then season two, which thankfully had a bit more of an aim to it. Um, but yeah, Bad Bat so far, 
really enjoying it. Um, I guess, how do you feel about the comedy? Because I don't know why, but for me, the comedy kind of sticks out in the mm, show. I agree. I think it's much of that sort of, this is also a kid's show. Yeah. You know, it's a show it's for everybody, and they do still have to cater for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the comedy sort of comes from, from Wrecker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not it's not my favourite thing in the world. Yeah. But I, I can live with it. Knowing what kind of medium it is, I, I, I can live with it. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like they're over-correcting, not over-correcting, over... I guess it's overdoing it with Wrecker. Because mm. um, I, I know that his personality is the big, dumb Wrecker guy. <laughs> but, like... I got that in like five minutes time. I don't. I don't really need it every other scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bit too much at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it's. I do think the comedy does work in general with the, with these TV shows and mm-hmm. Dave Lawney's kind of work. Um, and I do imagine that going forward, it will be interesting um, seeing these different conflicts. And I think in particular, what kind of shocked. I guess yeah, shocked me was how Crosshairs is almost like instantly on the other side now. He's mm-hmm. like instantly kind of the enemy number one. And I find that kind of compelling going forward. Um, were you like shocked by that as well? Yeah, I I think I I saw the, there's there's a footage in the trailer where um this is there's a there's a clone trooper in black armor like a you know like the 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 death troopers in Rogue One. Yeah. There's there's a, a character in armor like that and I think I saw someone suggest that, that could be crosshair. Because mm. it looks similar, yeah. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of suspected that that might happen going in. Mm-hmm. And so after the first, you know, ten minutes, I was kind of, yeah, that, that that's where it's going to go. I'm kind of glad because I'm glad they had something that sort of disrupted the the balance of the, the, them as like a team unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think you needed without that sort of disruption. There's no. I don't know. There did, wouldn't have been that much threat to it. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I enjoyed the fact that they did, they did that with Crosshair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that sort of brings me on to a question I want to ask: How did you feel about the sort of the opening scenes? I really, I really enjoyed the opening scenes. Um, the sort of like you mean like the the battle in like the forest. Mm, yeah. So sort of yeah, with with young Kanan slash Caleb. Yeah. How do you feel about, like, where are they going with that? Do you think we ever want to see anything, like, come from that, really? I I don't know, because it feels really odd. Like, why would they do it if if they weren't? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels yeah. unnecessary, especially given the fact that that's been done in a comic. Mm-hmm. Which is one thing that people aren't, aren't completely jazzed about, because it makes several changes to what happens in the Caleb comic. Oh, okay. Um, because um, when it was originally done, I think that obviously there was no Bad Batch in the comic, and mm-hmm. several things happen a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, it's still the same general thing. Like, um, it doesn't stop what happens later in the comic from happening. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit odd, and I, I think it's odd that they would they would do that without any reason. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's. I mean, for me, I was kind of uh, taken aback, I guess, when the show kind of just moved on from that kind of situation. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then and, there's... And another sort of thing is, if they do do something else with that, you kind of have like a solo situation mm. where yeah. if they do revisit Kayla or Kanan, mm-hmm. you can't really have an arc for him. Not really. <laughs> because Kanan's arc to do with being a Jedi and also like dealing with his prejudice towards clones because that's a massive part of his arc in Rebels. He can't really do that. Yeah, because we're doing it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind it, of... I don't know, it kind of feels... I wouldn't, I'm not going to say a fan service but it did feel a bit kind of... Oh, we're just, that's just leaving it hanging. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um but yeah, how do you feel about the? I'm gonna forget her name. I forget the. What is the companion's name? That the new, the little girl. Omega or Omega. Either way. <laughs> um, how do you feel about her? Because I, I heard a lot of, um, 
uh, I guess, fan theories beforehand of people think that she might be like a a weird Palpatine clone. Okay. I've heard that. Like okay, some guess, sort of... Like a force sensitive. Yeah, yeah. That's unusual. That that's interesting. That that's that's something I hadn't really considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of assumed like a, like I mean most of the theories I saw going in was that she would be just a female clone of Django. Oh, okay. Which is sort of what we've got so far. She's just been deemed yeah. a clone because she has the the um, the accent, mm-hmm. and she has sort of the the, the complexion. Yeah. Um, I, I, speaking of which, I did also see someone say that they didn't know if they'd whitewashed the Bad Batch. Yeah, I heard this too, and I realised that, I think like when you compare like some posters or something like that, there's like, they've lit their faces weirdly, so it looks like they're just white. Mm. <laughs> um, it is odd, I have to admit, now that I've seen it on like side by side. Because mm, some of them, um, some of them don't have the accents either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, which is actually, I suppose, that, that's a massive compliment to um, Bradley D. Baker. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it is just his show. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, 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 particularly that second episode, there's nobody else there. <laughs> it's just him in a room. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, a talent, isn't it? It is. But yeah, it's sort of, I, I thought that was an interesting point. Like, I feel like, because obviously some of them are, because Echo is basically a normal clone just you know we, we know what, what happened to him yeah, and so I thought that's an interesting interesting point that people raised um but Omega um yeah I when you, whenever you introduce a child character into anything there's always like a 50-50 how could this go <laughs> people <laughs> yeah. are either going to like her or absolutely detest her um, is this Anakin or Ellie <laughs> yeah exactly yeah which way is it going to swing yeah um I I think it's definitely more in the Ellie territory, for me. I would say so. Yeah. I think she has something about her. I think the when she's playing with the dirt at the start of the second episode, mm-hmm. I thought that was a bit too much. The, I think that to me is like kind of a leaning into being a kid show mm. moment. There's like there's certain moments in this show, and it is weird to say this because it is you know it is a kid show. Um, so it's kind of weird to criticise it for this, but it, there were moments where, like we're saying with the comedy of Rekka, and there's some moments in the music that feel kind of... Yes, yeah. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> it feels like Balamori. Would any of our American listeners know what Balamori is? I don't know. I hope they do. I hope it's an American version. Fred because... Rogers? Would that be a... An American um, comparison to make? I don't know, because I don't really... In Balamori, what did they even talk about? I don't know. <laughs> um, something about some houses? Painted doors, mm. was there? She also like, did the weather every day. Yeah. It was very yeah, confusing. Some... Was, it, was, was it a school? I think so. And I mean, I mean, for me, the only, thing, the only thing I remember was the opening theme tune, and then she gives us the weather... I remember being a kid looking outside and going, but it's not raining. <laughs> <laughs> She's lying. Nonsense. <laughs> and that's why I'm again really critical of film and TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was the moment it all started. Yeah, all the reviews I started writing. <laughs> um, anyway, bad bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I understand what you mean. There were several. Several episodes where it goes really joyous, plinky plonky music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, the, other thing, have, the character in episode two, the one that's um, living, like he's, I think he's a deserter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a character we've seen before, isn't it? From, yeah, um, from the yeah. first season of Clone Wars or second? I think no, so. Rex meets him. I just remember it because he was one of my favourite. Um, I think he was one of my first, like, oh, this show is better than just pretty good. Mm-hmm. I remember him being one of those first episodes where I was like, "Oh, they're doing they're doing things that are interesting," um, mm. and then Clone Wars just got better and better, which is always nice, isn't it? Yeah, it was sort um, of the seeds where you're thinking maybe they are going to sort of challenge a few viewpoints and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I wonder if the Bad Bat is going to do that at some point. Kind of, I can really imagine the show 
having like a season two or season three where our main characters are absolutely not not the same people we like know them as being um compared to you know i think for a, i think like comparing like the mandalorian to this i i can't see the mandalorian changing that much in between seasons mm-hmm. um but for some reason i think with this show and the way that clone wars kind of worked i can imagine the bad bats is going to have some like big changes coming um soon um which is interesting and i think mm-hmm. i kind of hope that's where they're going to go with like the mandalorian season three for example i hope they're gonna really change some things up and for one like you know grogu's gone now and the mandalorian is helmetless in the middle of a big ship <laughs> surrounded by Just, people yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so that's gonna be interesting um but yeah, I don't know what else to say about this show so far because mm-hmm. I just kind of really like it. Um, and I think without the full kind of package, it's hard to say where it's going to go. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you, well, how do you feel about the animation? Because I think animation, uh, season season seven, was it season eight or season seven, the new one? Of Clone Wars? Seven, I think. Seven, yeah. I remember the upgrading animation <laughs> season seven was so kind of jarring <laughs> and i think it's kind of the same thing here where it feels like clone wars but it feels like so much better <laughs> um, it is. i think it's pretty sensational animation to be honest yeah yeah um there are, there are a few moments where like i don't understand why they can't just do fur there's like <laughs> it's like i think they have some sort of creature in an episode second episode where i'm like could you not just do fur? <laughs> Instead of this yeah, weird blocking... all the hair they ever do is just sort of solid. Yeah. I guess it fits, but I just, it off-puts me. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I find, I find it really interesting. I think especially um, uh, Kimono, I think, that planet. Um, Kimino. Kimino, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, that planet I always find... I'll be honest, like in episode two, um, Attack of the Clones, I always found that planet to be kind of really kind of ugly in like this really kind of, it's too clean. <laughs> um, and I think like they've really like hit a weird sort of balance with this episode um, and kind of nailing that weird thing of like, Star Wars being clean feels wrong, but I feel like they're imbued it with some sort of life, I guess. Um mm-hmm. It is kind of hard, hard, odd. Um, Star Wars being clean, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes, especially when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, because a lot of the time we just associate it with being really sandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's it's all sand. Stormtrooper's armors are dirty, and well, yeah, even Hoth, even Hoth looks dirty. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> Like, when Omega's playing on the dirt, I'm like, oh, she's finally seen Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) She's definitely no friend of Anakin. No, no. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, do you want to move on to, I guess, the Star Wars in general? Because Mm, um, Yes, I sort of... So, I suppose it's sort of a a neat little halfway segue thing. What do you hope to see from the Bad Batch going forward and the rest of these episodes and maybe even beyond that? Um, I guess I'm hoping that they just explore the characters more. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to have like an episode with each character like kind of centred around them. Um, I kind of want to not get away from it, but I don't want to concentrate too deeply on a new planet with a new creature or you know, some sort of new kind of external kind of conflict of we've got to get the MacGuffin to the MacGuffin to get off the planet or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to kind of settle down for a bit and then hopefully have a climax that kind of actually answers some questions, I think. Um, I think that'll be interesting because I feel like if Filoni kind of, I feel like he feels more comfortable doing animation um, mm. um, and I feel like this could be uh, I guess a fine tuning of what I like about the Mandalorian, for example. Um, and yeah, I just hope it gets time to breathe. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, Favreau has never sold Favreau. No, Filoni. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing you can maybe say about his animated shows is that um, they never, they never really 
hit the ground with the same heights that they would reach at a later point, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first season is never the best one. Never. <laughs> I mean, it, it can be entertaining enough. Like There are really good elements, especially later on in the first season of Rebels. But they generally don't, re- don't get amazing until at least the second season. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if, if you showed me... I mean, if I seen like the first episode, the first season of Clone Wars, then someone just kind of showed me the last episode of Clone Wars, I would not believe that they got there. <laughs> <laughs> then neither would I. It's, um, yeah, and I think, I think, yeah, we, we might get that again, but I mm-hmm. feel more comfortable with this one with Bad Batch. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. Like, you it definitely feels a step up from that first season of Clone Wars and the first season of Rebels. Yeah, it feels a bit more concentrated, I guess, mm-hmm. is my kind of stance on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's one sort of thing I, I hope the Bad Batch does sort of address. Um, and that is, obviously, I'll, I want to see my boy Rex. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the new, the, this updated animation style, because he'd be looking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I obviously he's been mentioned in the last episode because mm-hmm. they're all like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Rex was here," and they're like, "Wait, what?" Because mm-hmm. obviously at this point they assume all the other clones were brainwashed and went, went or, mad or dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, um, from the conversation he had with like, the character called Cut, mm-hmm. I, I get the impression that uh, Rex just arrived and started babbling like a madman about the chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the way that the. the, the that mentioned it, but um, mm-hmm. mainly sort of one of the things I want sort of maybe to this to show because I feel like a lot of what these animated shows do is they sort of help fill in the gaps and fill in sort of things we haven't seen yet. And one thing I kind of hope that, that they do is sort of show Rex maybe sort of I don't know liberating that with a word, but liberating like Wolf and Gregor because mm-hmm. we yeah. know where they are um, during Rebels. They're all chilling on a on a walker in the desert. A big robot, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see that because I think, I think I said it in a, in a post on the Instagram a very long time ago now, but I said that I feel like in this sort of period there's a lot you can do with Rex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a character that I desperately just want to see more of, especially in this sort of period. And above all else, I think there needs to be some sort of Rex Cody mm-hmm. in altercation. Yeah, <laughs> because um, I don't know if you you knew this, but they considered putting Cody in Rebels. Oh, really? Okay. They considered um, bringing him in and having him on the Imperial side. Oh, like bringing okay. him out of retirement because they wanted somebody who knew um, like Rex and the clones as tactics. Tactics, yeah. But they, they yeah. ultimately didn't. Mm-hmm. They just brought in um, Ilaren instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I feel yeah. yeah. I think I definitely agree that this period of time is definitely really interesting for characters like Rex because the world is literally crumbling around them, and their like concept of what the world is is mm. so different now. <laughs> um, and then in Rebels, we kind of see him after he's, he's dealt with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. So yeah, that sort of brings us away from b- b- Bad Batch and onto. General hopes for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, if, if 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 you had to say off the top of your head right now, I'm putting you on the spot, mastermind right. chair style, right on the spot. What is the one thing you really want to see from the future of Star Wars? Go. I really want to see um, them going outside of the time frame of the the trilogy of trilogies. <laughs> if that makes sense, like, mm. I want to see them. Either go really far forward or really far backward. Um, I just want them to be like kind of unhooked from all of the, you know, the lore that we know now. Um, I kind of want to see completely new characters and completely different kind of ter- like territory. Um, I think, I think more than more than most franchises, I think there's a weird thing with Star Wars and how it has an implied history and an implied kind of future. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where you know episode nine ends on kind of a 
I want to say cliffhanger, but more like an implied we're going to go places, but you won't see it, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that's kind of a fascinating thing about this franchise, and I think it's kind of not annoying, but kind of a bit. I guess yeah. I guess it's kind of annoying that they just don't go outside of the realm of the the movies. I guess because like mm-hmm. like you said before, I do kind of enjoy it when they do it, but the TV shows and stuff like that has been mostly reserved for filling in the gaps, um, which has been you know they've used it more they've used it well more often than not. But you know, I think I think the TV show was called the the Acolyte, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that might be something to do with before any of this. Um, and then we got, I think we got, um, well, the triangle of the, the books, I think, at the moment, The High Republic, um, mm-hmm. which is an entirely different thing. And every time I see some sort of artwork from that, I'm always so intrigued because it's it's kind of Star Wars, but not really. <laughs> um, and I kind of just want that from the future, I guess, to then just to be unhooked from the whole thing. Um but other than that, I would also really like Disney to start being nice to the, the sequels. <laughs> like, I know that they made them, therefore you'd think they'd, like, you know, be doing things around them. But they've been kind of ignoring them for a while now. Um, mm. And I had, like, a... I saw, like, a really interesting idea of... I really love, like, a Disney Plus series of Rey and Finn being Jedis together. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, that would be that would be perfect. That's all I want from this, you know. I would absolutely adore that. Yeah, I like imagine. I, I'm I'm quite happy to be like nine the end of the films, mm-hmm. and just to have a series where you have just Ray trying to figure out the galaxy and trying to figure out what it means to be a Jedi, not held back by the rules that held the previous ones back. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. her dynamic with Finn. It's one of the best things about the sequels. Yeah, definitely. And in a way, we didn't actually have that much of it. Yeah, it's kind it. of... Yeah, it's kind of, you know... Episode 7 was definitely their time to shine um, mm-hmm. together. Episode 8, for like obvious reasons, they kind of did the whole Empire thing of splitting them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, episode 9, they they were together, but because Rey was on such like a singular kind of struggle, she was always kind of getting away from them. Um, so I would love to see this that trio or just even just like Finn and, and Rhea be together um, and whenever I see you know fan art of Finn with a green lightsaber I'm like that's the coolest thing in the world <laughs> that's like the best <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean you probably mentioned as well that because people might be listening to this I have no idea what our opinion is mm-hmm. we are gen- generally do really like the sequels mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry that we're fake Star Wars fans yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry to let you all down yeah, um, you can you can leave now. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you hope from the future? Um, one thing that one sort of space in time that I really want them to explore is the period between six and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I I do also share your opinion on wanting to see stuff outside of this timeline. Yeah. Um, I do I do actually want to read the High Republic books. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by them. It, when I when I finish the trilogy of Star Wars books that are on my shelf, which I'm about halfway through, <laughs> um, and that was about several months ago, I've just been <laughs> bogged down with all this stuff. But I'm determined to get back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would desperately want to see more from outside of the timeline, especially going forward. Like you said, with the ratio, that would be that's really near the top of my list. Mm-hmm. More yeah. Daisy Ridley as Ray. I want to see that yellow lightsaber be put to work. Yeah, I love that lightsaber so much. <laughs> it's one of my favourite ones, and it kills me that we've only seen it for about five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd love that. But I also am really intrigued by the period, not necessarily that Mandalorian's in, but sort of Mandalorian's at the start of. Mm-hmm. And... Mainly because I think the way they've sort of set the chessboard up, to use a metaphor, mm-hmm. for that period is really interesting. And I think I want to see that period, but I want to see it with the main characters being people we haven't necessarily met before. Like, I want, I want sort of Leia, Luke and Han to be off doing their thing. I think 
their story is wonderful and I, I don't think it should be really be touched again i'm fine with that appearance of like the end of mandalorian i think that's glorious yeah. mm-hmm. um but i think for main character focus i think for this period i think with characters like din Djarin, bo-katan ahsoka you have and an rex my boy <laughs> my good <Yeah>. boy um <laughs> They're in like a period where this is the period where we know nothing. We know nothing. That's very all, true. <laughs> all we know from this is they defeated the Empire at the end of six and then remnants were again in episode seven. Mm-hmm. It's very much unlike the gap between three and four where we have everything. Yeah, it yeah. seems to be the period, the go-to period for. for I mean, Lucasfilm. the Bad Bats is literally exploring how the clones went from clones to normal soldiers. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we're getting that deep and minute on details. <laughs> it feels like every sort of every almost every sort of major piece of material that a lot of people have seen seems to be from that period. Both anthology films are there. We've got mm-hmm. three animated shows there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that's a very, a very full period. And after the bad batch, I hope they kind of leave that alone. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, this period, other end, and again, it sort of ties into what you're saying in that there's a lot you could do there that also ties into the sequels and shows a lot of love to the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the massive thing that I think this period that I really want to see from, I said that like Yoda. <laughs> I didn't even mean to. But I I want to see a Thrawn storyline in here. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's perfect. Yeah. Um I I've I've never read the the um Shadow of the Empire trilogy, which was sort of it's a series of books where Thrawn was first introduced in the nineties, which was essentially it was the episode seven, eight and nine of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um they were for the, for the longest time they were the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to necessarily see it I don't want to see it exactly like they were in that mm-hmm. I want to see something sim- oh, not similar but I want to see something like that fill this gap and I think characters like Ahsoka, Thrawn Ezra even mm-hmm. Din Djarin, Bo-Katan even the whole world of Mandalore I think you've got you've got a really brilliant opportunity to tell a story that's so different and so away from this main storyline, mm-hmm. and but to also do something quite big that's away from the main storyline, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like all the other stories we've had have all fit into this main arc. Mm-hmm. They've all been filling in the gaps for the main the main storyline. Like Rogue One was always an explanation of how the Death Star plans came into the hands of Leia and Luke. Mm-hmm. Solo is literally about one of the main characters of, of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> it's yeah. all sort of fitting and I think you have and they've also been fairly small stories as well mm-hmm. like for the most part you know the, the last season of Star Wars Rebels is about them liberating one planet yeah and it feels like in the moment at least it feels kind of like a big climatic event but I do think it's been kind of a benefit for the shows of like they've mm. had to work within the, within the framework of you can't solve every issue mm. in season four <laughs> um, because we have a trilogy of views that came out that did the whole thing. Mm. Um, but yeah. it, you have, yeah, like I said, you have this big period after after episode six where you can do a big story. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not something. It's something that can't be as massive as, as the main the main story because then you have questions like, well, how come Ray and Finn aren't referencing this big thing that happened? Yeah. But I feel like you, you can deal you can do something really new. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, because you can't really as much as I've really enjoyed seeing how the Mandalorians kind of set up the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. they the Mandalorian, you know that, that they can't solve the the Imperial Uprising. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's what leads to episode seven, you know they they can't necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. But there is still stuff you can do, like um one of, and I was going to say, the trilogy of books that are on my shelf is the, the Disney Throne trilogy. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and those are really interesting in books in that 
they've the way they've reshaped Thrawn from what he was in the expanded universe is really interesting in that before he was an out and out villain. Mm-hmm. But from the book's perspective, they sort of frame him as more of an anti-hero. Yeah. Which makes for particularly interesting, really interesting ground for entering this period because one of the things that the, especially the first Thrawn book highlights is that there are threats beyond the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are extra, extra galactic threats, if that makes sense. There are other races that have, are un, unopposed. And the theory, I think we've talked about this before, but the theory that Thrawn, or the reason that Thrawn works with the Empire is that he believes that the Empire is this galaxy's best chance of defending against those threats. Right. Even yeah. though it's not perfect, he works within it to try and make it better. Because, mm-hmm. like, in, at the end, it's kind of a spoiler for the first Thrawn book. But he explains at the end of the first book that he is essentially like a, not necessarily a spy, like he is mm-hmm. dedicated to the, to the Empire. But the theory is that while he recognises that Palpatine isn't the best bloke in the world, <laughs> his plan yeah. is to position himself well enough so that when Palpatine does eventually die or lose power, he yeah. is able to pick a replacement that leaves the galaxy in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone on a massive tangent on why I love Thrawn but <laughs> um, I think this, this area this gap in Star Wars is primed for that and obviously we got his name drop in Mandalorian which made me very excited yeah. I was, it was one of many moments in that series that had me bouncing off the walls <laughs> um, but yeah that's sort of something I'm really excited to see you never know they might end up just killing them off might do. <laughs> <laughs> One ep- uh, three episodes of the Ahsoka show dead. Moving yeah. on. Um, <laughs> and if they do it well, <laughs> you never know. Um, you don't like it. <laughs> but, you know, while it's important to say that while this is the stuff that I really like to see, I'm happy to see anything. Yeah. And I think that's the brilliant part of where we are now. Where the Skywalker saga is is finished effectively, and the whole the whole of this universe is Disney's playground or, or Lucasfilm's playground at this point. Mm-hmm. They can do anything, any era, way before, way after, day in the middle. Sure, mm-hmm. there are some some things I'd be more excited for, like for example, I'm probably more excited about the Acolyte. Um, yeah. Then I am for Rangers of the New Republic, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or I don't know what, what's another thing. Anyway, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see all of it, and mm-hmm. to see how it how it pans out, and see what direction they take it, and please announce a very solo series. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I am with it. I yeah, I agree. I think as well when you're saying there about how there's kind of extra kind of bigger threats out there than just mm. the Empire. I mean, what a great kind of thing that's there in waiting for you to set up for, you know, you can explore that idea in between episode six and episode seven. And then after that, kind of have a post episode nine TV show or whatever it might be, having to deal with that and mm. having every character kind of come together in some sort of way. Yeah. Like we can have, you know, Ray or Soka or Ezra and they're kind of, you know, probably older at that point, but dealing with this bigger than before threat, um, but like together, and we can actually see those characters develop beyond their their movies or their like little kind of sections that we kind of see them in. Um, mm. I think that's a really interesting idea of where we can keep on going. Um, where would you say that you're, I guess, you, you don't want to see them do, like you definitely don't want to see them do this sort of thing. Um um, because cause it's quite interesting with Disney and what they do with Star Wars sometimes. <laughs> it, it is. I think beyond what's already been announced, I don't want to see anything from between three and four, as previously said. Yeah. We have the Bad Batch and we have Kenobi, which again is a show I'm, I'm interested in seeing. But beyond those, I think I think that period has been milked dry. 
It really has. <laughs> it's been um, looked to death. Um, yeah. I find it really funny seeing some sort of... I saw some artwork, some of like that, that was kind of... Um, it was like a big kind of... Like a big like landscape of all the entire movie, every movie, every TV show. And it was like episode one, episode two, TV show, TV show, TV show, <laughs> episode three, TV show, TV show, TV show. And just the movies from that point on and then nothing else really in between. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree that episode um, three to four has been kind of, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and you find it, I guess in general, my big fear going forward is that we're going to get just kind of, you know, remember this and remember that and remember mm. the, like, the thing we did last time. Because I think, you know, it does make sense to, you know, have characters, I guess, reference things that happened in the actual, you know, story. Um, you know, like Marvel do that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. People often, you know, they say the word Ultron and we go, oh yeah, Ultron. Um, but I feel like Star Wars every once in a while can get a little we're doing the same thing again because it worked last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that's one of the major benefits to maybe doing something like the High Republic where literally yeah. the only thing you have to reference is the fact that Yoda's there. Yeah, that's literally it. Um, that's the benefit of having something set way before it all is that it's practically impossible to reference it. Mm-hmm. And if you do start referencing it, why? <laughs> <laughs> you have so much other things to do. Um I mean, as I mean, we both love the sequels and in the mm-hmm. on like a majority. Um, but I would definitely agree that stuff like you know Star Killer Base is kind of just meh. Like, why are we doing this? Can you know, mm-hmm. just find a different end conflict. Um, you know, even episode nine with like its um, planet destroying guns thing. Like, stop doing this. Like, <laughs> we get it. It's fine. You've killed um, enough planets. Leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen so many planets explode in Star Wars that it's kind of just getting old now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of um, interesting whenever I watch or see a clip from Episode Four and I see the uh, Alderaan, I think, uh, get blown up. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, oh, oh yeah, there's a time when that was kind of threatening and, <laughs> and <laughs> unique. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think going forward, I think we both agree that. For the most part, season two of Mandalorian used those kind of nostalgic edges quite well. Mm, it did um, brilliantly. It you know we you know we may, we might have freaked out over um, Luke appearing in the final episode, but it didn't really didn't that wasn't the main takeaway on where we want to see the soul go going forward. Like I don't mm. really, and I don't think many people really do. I don't think anyone want to see wanted to see more Luke with Grogu after that. I think it'll be interesting to see if we do, but I think more or less we were all thinking. So now, what does what does Din uh, Jaren do? Like, what mm. does he do now? Because again, it's just an odd situation that he's been left in <laughs> um, for that character. Um, and yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting as well to kind of get, I guess, somewhat controversial um, with uh, Cara Dune because uh, mm-hmm. he was in that room, and since then she's been fired. <laughs> So I'm wondering, <laughs> is she just gonna, gonna get hit by an explosion or something? Maybe she like gonna have like a line dialogue where like, oh yeah, she left early, so I had to go to her appointment. Mm. <laughs> so it might be that. Um, Unless yeah, they think... recast her, they might. Oh my god, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, imagine they recast her with like <laughs> Daisy Ridley. I don't know why. <laughs> why um, don't they recast her with a de-aged Kathleen Kennedy? Oh my god, yes. What a, what a the, the best possible middle finger. What a power move. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. but yeah, I think in terms of movies, we've only got Rogue Squadron to look forward to at the moment. Um, We have the Taika one, but nothing's been said about that yet. Nothing. Yeah, and apparently, I mean very vaguely, we're getting a Ryan Johnson trilogy. Um, Apparently, we still haven't gotten... A cancellation um, announcement, but mm. it's, I mean, in my mind, it's still on the official website, therefore, it still may be happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm hoping for that. I'm hopeful that more than anything what, in the world. I really, how want. happy would you be if that that went ahead and it was the, the new, the Old Republic trilogy? Oh my god, 
Oh my god, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew, that would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I mean, he's probably my favourite director who's tackled this franchise overall. Mm. Like, I think George does a great job um, with the originals. I really, I guess, respect his kind of viewpoint with the prequels. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with all his, all his choices, but I definitely... I don't look at the prequels and go, well, that's just lazy. I think... No, he definitely cared. He just didn't do what we all expected, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I love J.J. Abrams. I love his weird, weird, like, just propulsive, kinetic action kind of take on the whole thing with a lot of really cool character stuff in between. Um, I love Dave Filoni as well, but something about Ryan Johnson and that one goddamn film just in the middle of a trilogy that I just love so much and I want to mm-hmm. see him. And it, it pains me whenever I see an interview with him like around the time of Last Jedi and him kind of, someone asking him, oh, so are you ready to do the next trilogy that you're doing apparently? And he goes, yeah, can't wait. I'm going to start writing now. I'm like, is he? <laughs> He's doing Knives Out 2. It's something we're both after. We're both very interested in that book. Oh, we yeah. want this trilogy. I just want him to play around in this little universe <laughs> um but yeah he's great i will i can't wait to see what he does mm-hmm. but yeah i think raw squadron is interesting because i think for me at least the big part of raw squadron is more or less patty jenkins mm. um and her involvement and i think again if you aren't aware listening um me and matthew kind of have a similar opinion on one woman 84 which is that it's great mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's phenomenal and, Mm-hmm. We have a a quite unpopular, but still, you know, very very real love for that film, mm-hmm. um, and I think that kind of her kind of craft of doing these films and how she does them. I can't wait to see how that mixes with uh, Disney and their sort of take on these sort of things. They've already fired her um, once. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because, you know, I think Star Wars has a, and Disney um, have a bad history with Star Wars and not overall, but little kind of things here and there of you hired Lord and Miller and then fired them midway through for being too unique. <laughs> um, that's an issue, I would say. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think my fingers are crossed, but I, I think that might be behind us. Mm hmm. Like, it feels too. very much now that the people that are locked on to do these projects are people that Lucasfilm genuinely want to work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last one to get fired was Benioff and Vice. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Which, um, the whole story of that still makes me chuckle. Incredible. I oh. never, I saw like a tweet recently, was like, it's hilarious that. Um, they they rushed their ending of their big TV show to work on Star Wars, or they get fired from Star Wars immediately for rushing their work on the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it is uh, yeah, that is very amusing to me, but incredible. <laughs> but yeah, it I'm, does very much seem to forward. me that they were the last ones that Disney or Lucasfilm sort of hired because they were popular and doing something popular at the time. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of what we're left with now is that Patty Jenkins is doing her film because I'm I'm pretty sure she pitched it to Lucasfilm. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because it's a very personal project. Um, and I think that bodes well for it. It's very much her the driving force behind it. They're doing the Tiger film because they've worked with Tiger and they know he's good. <laughs> yeah, good good boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, also, there's the Feige film, which I keep forgetting. Oh my god, yeah. I forget about this. Which I think all we've got is that it's been produced by Kevin and I think the writer's the guy that's doing Loki and Multiverse of Madness. Hmm, yeah. So Which, I, yeah. What a time to be him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting when you, when you compare, um, I guess, producers and how they announce their films. Um, mm. I think, I kind of think of... Um, Disney Star Wars and DC as being very much similar to each other mm. in the sense that they have an idea they think we might be doing this and then they announce it and then later on they go ah maybe not <laughs> like why why announce it then um, compare that to Marvel who I, I really like Marvel on the whole and it's interesting that 
I think more than anything is that I trust them when they say something. Mm-hmm. Um, when they tell me that they're doing this, I go, they're doing this. It might take like three or four years, but like it will happen. Like we are getting mm-hmm. a Moon Knight show at some point. We're getting a She-Hulk yeah. uh, show. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, I genuinely think it's crazy how Marvel are probably the only studio where you think, yeah, I actually trust these people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found that. Well, I do, I do, I do trust Lucasfilm. I have to admit, I, I do trust Kathleen Kennedy. I think she's, despite what people will tell you, I think she is a really good producer of films. She has produced some of the twentieth century's most iconic films. Yeah, <laughs> she's worked with some of the best filmmakers okay. ever. She's yeah. not an idiot. Not at all. <laughs> it's not like it's not like. When they chose someone to take over from Lucasfilm, they just plucked some random idiot out of nowhere. Yeah, I love watching people like who hate that, who hate Kathleen Kennedy. I love like seeing them realize that Kathleen Kennedy's been around ever since Indiana Jones. Like she was there for that. Like she was on set during that. It's like when when people say, "Oh, she, she, she's going to ruin Indiana Jones," or <laughs> like she ruined the first one, <laughs> the second, or third. <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah, it's it's very amusing how people can't people can't just see past their own yeah their own. I don't even know what it is. What do you even call it's, it? It's incredible as well when um, people like Star Wars like fan fans are like you know the people that hate Episode Eight and all that for ruining Luke. Like when they loved season two of Mandalorian, um, it was amazing seeing them have that reaction of it's we like this a lot. Oh shit! Catherine Kennedy has got a name on it, so they went like, did that really weird thing where they were like, oh yeah, but this is like really like Favreau and Filoni, like they mm. ignored Catherine Kennedy. Yeah, there, though... there was a lot of stuff where oh she's locked out, she's only allowed to do her own thing. You can't lock her out of a room. <laughs> she owns the room. <laughs> she yeah. I mean, it's fascinating when like you have those behind the scenes things of the TV shows, and it's Filoni. Uh, Favreau, all the actors, and Kathleen Kennedy around the table talking to each other, and they're still like, nah, Kathleen Kennedy has no idea what's going on this show. She has no idea. <laughs> He's not touching this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, when people say this stuff, I just feel myself saying to myself in my head, do you actually understand how this works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you understand that if, if it's true that Kathleen Kennedy's only working on her own feminist thing, Mm-hmm. They just fire. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they can do that. <laughs> God damn it! It's absolute, absolute madness. Why people believe these things? Yeah, because she's there. They're... She's in the room. He walks the documentary. Yeah. She's right there. <laughs> she's not gone. She's there. Yeah, she's literally. Her name was on everything to do with these new films and new TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like Bad Bat has her name on it. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. I also really loved. Um, I guess we're going a little rant now about Star Wars fans, mm. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it when um, I think Dave Filoni was said something in an interview where he's like, "I came to the set of Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson was so nice to me and he gave me all the support, <laughs> and he ha- he know he he knows and understands his universe better than most people do, um, and I love reading that and going, people are going to freak the fuck out, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to lose their minds." Um. <laughs> um, it's like it's like yeah, it's like that. That made me chuckle inside. That made me really happy. And there's also there's a video on YouTube of Dave Filoni, and it's a couple of years ago, speaking at like a an event that promotes um, female characters in things, mm-hmm. and he gives a flan speech about why female characters are important. Yeah, these fanboys aren't mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, they're ignoring that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah oh. um, speaking of which um, one of the things actually it started this morning one of the things I sort of decided to research a bit ahead of this podcast mm. and it all started when um, we were sat with my I started talking to my dad this morning mm-hmm. and he was scrolling on his phone and he he said to me oh there's this article and it says there's going to be a new Star Wars film with Keanu Reeves <laughs> right and I asked him, where's this, where's this from? And I said, oh, oh. I said, the Daily Express. 
Okay. Who do they? <laughs> who do they credit this as being from? I um, know who's coming up. <laughs> oh, they say it's from YouTuber Mike Zero. <laughs> oh, and I said, as I did, like, I said, just put the phone down. <laughs> and listen Roll to me very away. carefully. <laughs> and as such, I decided, since I knew we were doing this topic, I decided to have a look at a little look at what Mike Zero has been up to recently. Oh God, what is it? So the the, the article that my dad was reading that he was, he was referring to is apparently, apparently, mm-hmm. there's going to be a brand new film with Keanu Reeves set on Exegol with Gal Gadot. Okay. That's it. Why? That's and it. If you, okay. If you go on YouTube, mm-hmm. if you go on YouTube, the video in question is the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> the thumbnail is um, it's Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, the new Mortal Kombat. Right. With Keanu Reeves' face just photoshopped under the hood. Oh god. Oh, and god. then this like red blade flashing across the screen. <laughs> and genuinely, some of, some of, some of those thumbnails are hilarious. Yeah, my like, favourites are the ones where like. People's face, like Captain Kelly's face, has like got a big red cross on it. <laughs> <laughs> They're so funny. There's one which is talking about the return of Mace Windu, which has a picture of uh, of glass from the um, M Night Shyamalan films. Yeah. God damn it. And um, while I was in a bit of research, um, there's there's one line which I just had to share with you. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've, uh, have you ever like seen him or watched the Mike Zero video. I never watch one. I'm always aware of them, though. <laughs> I, I, I watched a few, and I watched a few in preparation for this. I can only apologise for giving him the views. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's a load of rambling for one sentence just to take the video up to ten minutes. And he released about three videos a day yeah. of this. And there was one from... First off, there was one from a week ago that said... Um, Gina Carano is being rehired right now. And that was a week ago. <laughs> um, however, this, 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 this line, right, is from, he's talking about them bringing Mace Windu back. Because apparently, according to Mike Zero, there's going to be a, a Mace Window TV series after Order 66, as right. well as him appearing in season four of The Mandalorian. Season four? Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> um... And this, this this quote, this quote, he just says in the middle of the video, he says, The thing about all this, I believe, honestly, is really groundbreaking, is that John and Dave, they really are doing a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 280,000 worth, worth of subscribers. Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It really is. <laughs> I wonder if he's a real person, you know. I, like, I wonder if it's all genuine. You're like at this point, I, I am clinging to the belief this has to be true. It has mm-hmm. to be the case that Max Zero is a double agent. Oh, he has to. There has to be a point in the next few years where he just turns around and says, "You know what, lads? I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> I've had you all." Yeah. Keanu Reeves is coming back season four. <laughs> um, either that or somebody... It's either that, he's absolutely making it all up for views. Or there's somebody at Lucasfilm who is having a right laugh leaking him all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Someone's really bored. He's like, <laughs> the caterer, maybe. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's Kathleen Kennedy herself. Oh my God, that she's genuinely just she's, she's got like, a fake name. She's called. She's got like, a name that says... Bob Bobinson, <laughs> and she's 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 messaging like zero all this stuff, saying, "Oh yeah, we're doing this and we're doing this." And Julianne Moore's coming to play Mara Jade, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is a popular thumbnail. Thumbnail for a while, it was every one of his videos had a picture of Mara's, Mara Jade. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen that a lot actually. Yeah, um, I found it fascinating once when I saw like some sort of behind the scenes thing where Ryan Johnson was. Talking to someone like before a table reading, he was like, 
oh, you know, there's these things on Twitter where people like really want me to bring back this character and this character. And it fascinated me that like they're aware of this. Mm. Does that make sense? I always imagine that people that are making these films either on purpose, on purpose ignore it or just don't use these sort of social media platforms often. Mm. So it's fascinating to me that, like, you know, Catherine Kelly goes on the iPhone one night and goes, we're, <laughs> reads like, we're bringing back Gina Carano, we're bringing Keanu Reeves, um, Mara Jade, we're really, you know, the expanding universe is now canon again, we're cancelling the sequel trilogy. And, like, she's reading this and is thinking, who the fuck is saying this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, cause I, I also remember um, there's something about Ryan Johnson saying they were joking on like on set there'd be all these all these videos and rumours and there's a genuine joke on the set of The Last Jedi where it said you've been Mike Zeroed. Was it really? Yeah, it was a genuine, jo- a genuine joke on set. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> you've been Mike Zeroed. <laughs> Prank Patrol. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, do you want to wrap it up at the moment? We, we can do. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we should, we should focus on something like a sentence that's really positive. After all yeah. that nonsense, I think a thing I'd really like um, one day down the line um, is to have like a Disney Plus special or whatever it might be of like JJ Abrams, um, Ryan Johnson, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, maybe like George Lucas and all the directors and writers. I want to have this like them in a room, talking about their movies and their like trilogies. Um, mm-hmm. How I would love that so much, and I think it'd be especially nice to have that because we could finally have Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams in the same room, and we can have them say to the camera, "We don't hate each other." <laughs> like, We're sat next to each other. We are yeah. friends. <laughs> we made films that we saw the right way. We're sorry you didn't like them. <laughs> Like, that would be great for me. That's all I want. But honestly, <laughs> it would genuinely be, be brilliant just to have all those people in a room talking about Star Wars. Yeah. To actually great. genuinely get to see what they're thinking. Because yeah. the the way that the Mandalorian behind the scenes worked, that was... It was just so interesting. It was, yeah. I especially love um, Dear for Lonely, like, having that moment with, a, like, a, a live-action Ashoka. It has that moment mm. of, like, holy shit, like, I, I drew you, like, 20 years ago <laughs> and now you're like a real person doing these things on camera um yeah that'd be incredible i love it, it as well like joe lucas was like <laughs> like someone like i don't know who but like someone was like oh yeah like someone got like a little little tiny fact wrong and lucas was like hang on a minute hang on whoa 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 <laughs> it's a blue light tip <laughs> and everyone is supposed to be really quiet like oh no he knows we're fixed <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I, 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 I love the moment where he just turns around to uh, to JJ Abrams and says, "I like Ray." Oh my God! Imagine, imagine the the oh, fire. just him, just him refer to her as Ray Skywalker. Yeah, oh, I love how much that that really you know gets people angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Just like some sort of final kind of people in a room talking to each other. And I want, oh, at some point they will obviously go, you know, Mike Zero, stop listening to that guy. <laughs> to the camera. Stop doing it. <laughs> That'd be great. They would. We love any, Star Wars. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Any last things? Um. Yeah, just to, just to wrap up. Thought Bad Batch was great. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see Rex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, future of Star Wars looks genuinely really bright there's a lot that there is to look forward to whether it be the the period between 6 and 7 or whether it be the, the old Repu- New Republic or the elusive Ray TV show <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, the stuff that is confirmed there's a lot to look forward to and I am really excited mm-hmm. same here um, but you've got any rounding off comments yeah um, I really like the Bad Batch really enjoying it I think it's it feels the best kind of one sentence review I have is it feels like the Mandalorian, but a bit more focused. Um, mm. I guess in terms of what I want to see, um, I just want more than anything else. 
completely either completely different things like outside the timeline or just give the sequels some love some some sort of tv show some sort of rain thin spin-off some sort of even a poor thing like, like imagine a rose tico tv show that'd be great that'd um, be great i'd love that yeah um i guess that in general it's want some sequel love and some out, outside the timeline kind of wacky hijinks <laughs> stuff um but yeah that's my wants and hopes um so i bring us home go on bring us home okay uh thanks for listening hope you enjoyed that hope we didn't get too angry at our opinions on star wars <laughs> um the wizards in space God, we're so um, offensive really are <laughs> um, i hope you enjoy that yeah um once again uh if you want to give us a follow on our instagram at marvel cinema podcast where we do every other day reviews and weekly podcasts we do have our um star wars reviews up for a while now on our instagram and twitter mm-hmm. so you kind of look there if you want to see our actual opinions on each movie um and tv show um uh, but yeah, we also have a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. We have everyday reviews and weekly podcasts coming out on Monday. Um, and of course, give us a review or a like or anything you can on your podcast streaming service, wherever you are. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed and thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Yeah. Bye.